0: I'm going to uh, read the passage that my husband is going to preach from. And if you would like to turn to the book of Isaiah, I'm going to be reading from chapter 33. Isaiah chapter 33. Woe to you who plunder though you have not been plundered, and you who deal treacherously, though they have not dealt treacherously with you. When you cease plundering, you will be plundered. When you make an end of dealing treacherously, they will deal treacherously with you. O Lord, be gracious to us. We have waited for you. Be their arm every morning, our salvation also in the time of trouble. At the noise of the Talmud, the people shall flee. When you lift yourself up, the nations shall be scattered, and your plunder shall be gathered like the gathering of the caterpillar as the running to and fro of locusts. He shall run upon them." The Lord is exalted, for he dwells on high. He has filled Zion with justice and righteousness. Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times and the strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. Surely their valiant ones shall cry outside. The ambassadors of peace shall weep bitterly. The highways lie waste. The traveling man ceases. He has broken the covenant. He has despised the cities. He regards no man. The earth mourns and languishes. Lebanon is shamed and shriveled. Sharon is like a wilderness. And Basham and Carmel shake off their fruits. Now I will rise, says the Lord. Now I will be exalted, now I will lift myself up. You shall conceive chaff, you shall bring forth stubble, your breath as fire shall devour you. And the people shall be like the burnings of lime, like thorns cut up, they shall be burned in the fire. Hear, you who are afar off, what I have done. And you who are near acknowledge my might. The sinners in Zion are afraid. Fearfulness has seized the hypocrites. Who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings? He who walks righteously and speaks uprightly, he who despises the gain of oppressions, who gestures with his hands, refusing bribes, who stops his ears from hearing of bloodshed and shuts his eyes from seeing evil, he will dwell on high. His place of defence will be the fortress of rocks. Bread will be given him. His water will be sure. Your eyes will see the king in his beauty. They will see the land that is very far off. Amen, the word of God.
1: Amen, the word of God. Father, I thank you for this word that is able to change lives. I thank you, you are the word, become flesh. We ask you to come and dwell amongst us. And Father, where we may think we know, but we don't know. Father God, correct us. Where we need to be encouraged, encourage us today, Lord. Where we need to be healed and delivered, bring healing and deliverance. Father, just send forth your word right now in the midst of us, Lord, in Jesus' name. It's a passage and and it's referring to a time where Israel was facing a time of crisis and a king called Sennacherib had come to the gates of Jerusalem. And Sennacherib was a fierce king, and he had plundered the whole known world. And he'd come from, you know, uh, people uh, know it was a long way away. And on the way, it, this speaks about how he, the the earth mourns and languishes, and Lebanon is shamed and shriveled because he'd conquered Lebanon. Sharon is like a wilderness. Bashan and Carmel shake off their fruits because where this king went. It was his practice to just strip and plunder, take all the gold, all the valuables, even all the fruits, all the cows, everything, he would just just strip and rake the land. And he was coming and this, this plundering king had gone through all the world and nobody could stand up against him. And now he was coming at Jerusalem. And Jerusalem, uh, when Sennacherib came, the Bible says that he besieged them. So he built a, a siege mound around the, the city and they were being sieged by this enemy who was, uh, in another part, in um, the book of Isaiah speaks about, he was screaming threats at King Hezekiah and God's people he was saying, why are you trusting God? Because everything I've done to the rest of them, I'm about to do to you. And this enemy was was. Breathing fire and screaming and intimidating, saying, I've stripped everything else. I've conquered everything else. Now I'm at the gates and I'm coming for you. And see, I want you to know today, Sennacherib is a type of Satan. And his army is a type of demonic powers. And there are times in every Christian's walk, every believer's walk, where... You may feel besieged where problems are ongoing and it may seem humanly there is no way out naturally and the enemy is speaking to your mind. I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to strip you. I'm going to plunder. This can can happen to families. Families when we come under a you know, attack, and the enemy comes and you know, he may be saying, I, I am going to strip you. You know you've been a Christian for some times, but now there's a temptation. I mean, the enemy saying, I'm going to strip you of a righteousness. I'm going to strip you of all your righteousness now. Or you, or you may have had a good marriage, but now it's under pressure and you're being besieged and the enemy is saying, I'm going to plunder you. I'm going to strip your marriage of all its goodness. And your children or your family, I'm going to plunder you. I'm going to devour your children. They shall not know God. I'm here. And the, de- the, de- the de- enemy and Satan and demons are, sc- are screaming threats and they are saying this is, this is hopeless and we are, we are going to plunder you. We are going to take, as they took all the goodness from the land, we're going to take all the goodness. You will not see the goodness of God. We're going to take it out of your life. And this is what Israel was facing. And it it can seem like at at the time when you're under that sort of attack, it can seem like and it can feel like, this is why we can't walk by feelings, it can feel like the enemy is winning. He is succeeding. And you can, in your humanness, you can be tempted to despair. Because here it says in verse 7, Surely the the valiant, that's the good ones, the brave ones, the people in Israel, the good ones, shall cry outside. The ambassador of peace shall weep bitterly. So these people who are valiant by faith, they're committed to peace. Christ is the prince of peace. They're even in trouble and they're weeping and they're saying this is too much. The pressure is too much. And I just I, I, just, I believe maybe there are people here today that you're in that place. And the enemy, spiritually, is attacking your gates. Promising to strip you of the good things God promised you. uh, Threatening to take, as I said, the goodness out of your family, out of your home, out of your marriage, the richness that was once there. He says, I'm going to strip it. See, it says, Carmel shook off their fruits, all the good fruit you've had in your life, the enemy says, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it. And to the the, the people who were under great pressure, who were being under or pressured by this plundering king, I got a promise for people in that position today. This is what the word of God says. Verse one says, "Woe to you who plunder?" Goes on, a few verses down. "You will be plundered." I want to promise you, we serve a God that is able to completely turn the tables on what the enemy is doing to you. And there is a time, there is a time where God does that. See verse 10? After In this time where the, the pressure is real, the trouble is real, God speaks and says, Now I will arise, says the Lord. And everything turns around from that time on. And Psalm 68 verse 1 says, When God arises, God arises and scatters his enemy. And see, I want to speak, this, this is not just a word of encouragement. If we know the scripture all through the scriptures. Because we have an enemy. When you become a, scripture, a, a, a Christian, you, you, un, you take on an enemy, a spiritual enemy, who is committed to destroying you and pursues you to steal, kill, and destroy. That's, that's Satan. And, and, and the powers of hell are committed to do that. But all through the scriptures, when God's people were on the cusp and felt like they couldn't take any more... Because the pressure of the plunderer was great. God arose at that time and plundered the plunderer. He knows how much you can take and he arose and plundered the plunderer. And I decree today the plunderer will be plundered by the power of God. In every family, every business, every marriage, Every ministry, the plunderer shall be plundered in the name of Jesus. You see this when when Israel was at the Red Sea. And the pressure was so... All they were doing is trying to follow God. Get out of the wilderness. God set them free. They're just trying to walk with God. And this is how some of you are. And then because Satan wanted to get them back, Pharaoh wanted to bring them back under bondage, he came and he put such pressure on them. They're standing. They're in front of the Red Sea. It's an impossible obstacle. Mountains on the left, mountains on the right, and Egypt, Pharaoh coming to plunder them. Put them back into captivity and take them back to Egypt. And when it looked like right at the moment it looked like there was no hope, what did God do? He not only passed to the part he not only parted the Red Sea and brought deliverance to his people, but the enemy came and he lured the enemy, and as the enemy pursued Israel, God plundered the plunderer. And it's not just with 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 uh, with with Egypt, you see. If you go to the book of Daniel. When Daniel's another righteous man, he's just trying to live a righteous life and he's in a a place of captivity and he's just trying to serve God. And they put uh, these men, because there was nothing they had. What a wonderful thing it is to be blameless. This man was holy and blameless. I envy this man to have that kind of life. He was completely, from his youth, he was holy and blameless. Never think it's good to have a testimony of sin. If you grow up and you can live in a Christian life and be holy and blameless, you're blessed. This man, this man was like that. He was a pure young man. He was a righteous young man. He was blameless. And because of that, he, there were people in, around him who were jealous and wanted to destroy him. And, but they had no grounds to destroy him. So they had to make stuff up about him, about his prayer life, about his spiritual life. And they accused him. And because the the, the the king was gullible, the king believed them and punished Daniel by. And so this is this is what you've done: put him in a lion's den. But Daniel was one of God's people, and we know God shut the mouth of the lion because He protects those. But what happened? What people don't know. Was after Daniel bought, or the king bought Daniel out of the lion's den. The king gave the command, and they brought those men who had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the the den of the lions. In other words, the plunderers got plundered by God. You see it again in the book of 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 Esther. You see a time where, uh, you see a time where uh, Israel is facing annihilation, it's a genocide. They have got this guy called Haman who has an antichrist spirit and he's committed to the destruction of all the Jews and so he sets it up that this godly man called Mordecai who's just a righteous man, a good man who raises his daughter in the right way, or his niece in the right way, he's doing all the right things for God and this Haman falsely accuses Mordecai and it looks like it looks like. There's no hope. The next day, Mordecai is due to be hung on a gallows. And what happened? King had a dream. And a fast forward, they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. The plunderer was plundered by God. Plunderer was plundered by God himself. Every demonic agenda was not only defeated, but God himself arose at the right time. This is what happens when God arises, and he says to the enemy, you will be plundered. I I, I just know this is a word for today. God says the things and the powers that are plundering you will be plundered will be plundered now god says i will arise says the lord but but do all believers experience this do we all get to see god plunder the powers that come against us i've seen god do this in my own life over and over and over and over again until we're able to rest in God. Here it says, to these people who were on the cusp, who were under great pressure, this is what they did in the midst of being pressurized, in the midst of feeling, oh God, how much more can I take? We've all been there. Look what they do. Verse 2, they say, Oh Lord, be gracious to us, We have waited for you by their arm every morning, our salvation also in the time of troubles. What does that mean? When it speaks about the arm, this is about the arm of the Lord. The arm of the Lord is mentioned all through Scripture. It says in Deuteronomy 5.15, how God brought them out of Egypt was with an outstretched arm. It speaks about the power of God. That's why in the book of Acts, verse thirty, that verse, chapter 4, verse 30, they pray when they're under pressure. God, with an outstretched arm, do signs and wonders. It speaks about the power of God. So these people, when they're under pressure, their attitude, they say, Oh Lord, be gracious to us. We have waited for you and this arm to manifest. The people that will see God plunder your plunderer are those people, when they're under the kosh, wait and trust for God's power alone. Uh, it's so important because at the end of this passage, when you go to uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 32, it, it contrasts two arms. What, one, uh, one arm it speaks about is the arm of the flesh. And the other arm is the outstretched arm of God. And when you're under the kosh, you can go to two places. You can go to the arm of the flesh. You can go and seek something of man, something of the flesh, something to give you comfort. You can get on the phone and talk to a person all night. You can ring up your therapist. I've got nothing against therapy and counseling but there is a better counsellor. He's called the wonderful counsellor, and that's God. But, 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 but it's very important when you're under the cosh, you don't give up on God, and you go and look for something human to solve your problem. Your marriage is in problems, So let's go and get some counselling. That will fix it. Won't fix it unless God's involved. Now, I'm not against counselling, but I'm against people who go and trust in human counselling. Because when you do that, your heart departs from God. And and if you're under the financial pump, you go and you seek some sort of human solution. Because as soon as you get out of that place, and you get out of the place of trusting God, Jeremiah says this, and it's it's a great warning. And it says, Cursed is the man who trusts in man, who makes flesh his strength whose heart departs from the Lord, for he shall be like a shrub in the desert who shall not see when good comes. Good will come, but you won't see it. You won't see the tables get turned. You won't see the plunderer get plundered because you're trusting in people. But blessed is a man who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord, for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river. He will not fear when heath comes, but its leaf will be green, will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. So these people said when they're under pressure, I just see verse 2 they fell to their knees. Oh Lord, we've got nobody but we're looking to you. Oh Lord, in our press, we're coming to you and we're believing you're going to be gracious to us. We waited for you and we're still believing and we're going to believe that at the right time you will arise and you will reach out that outstretched arm and everything is going to change. That's the position God wants his people to be in. That's the position God wants you you when you're under the pump, when you're in trouble. He wants you to look Get on your knees and say, God Almighty, I trust in you. Verse 13. You who are near and have acknowledged my might. My might. You get on your knees and you say, God. You know what might means? Isaiah named Jesus, mighty counselor. You can get counseled by a therapist, or you can get counseled by the might of God. And the might means the mighty God acknowledges there are other powers that we're going to face. But mighty God is the name of the one who overpowers every other power. And we acknowledge. His might. No matter what I'm facing, you, God, are greater. You, God, are greater. You, God, are more powerful than whatever situation I'm fa- facing. And it's you I put my trust in. And when do you do that? It says, our salvation also in the time of trouble. There's no use exercising great faith when you're on the mountaintop, it's when you're in trouble. You fall to your knees. You don't look to the arm of the flesh, but you put all your hope in God Almighty that at the exact right time, he'll reach out his outstretched arm and his power will deal with every problem. He says, these people will see me plunder the enemy. And there's another condition. He says, he who walks righteously, who speaks uprightly, who despises a gain of oppressions, who gestures with the hands, refusing bribes, who stops his ears from hearing bloodshed, who shuts his eyes from seeing evil. He will dwell on high. His place of defense will be the fortress of rocks. Bread will be given him. His water will be sure. His eyes will see the king and his beauty. They will see the land that is very far off. What does that mean? It means that when you're under the kosh, you put your hope in God alone. I've said many times, God is your plan A. He's your plan B. He's your plan C. And you believe he's coming for you. He's going to deal with whatever is, a, whatever is causing that problem. God himself is going to smite it. And he says, secondly, the promise is for he who walks righteously. Now, righteousness has two components here. Always does. Firstly, when it, when, it, when it speaks about righteousness, it refers to people who don't just think God winks at sin. I know believers who believe we're washed clean, the blood of blood, we're forgiven a million times over, and they actually believe because we're under grace, we can live like, pretty much like the world because we're under grace. And so, you know, our lifestyle is no different to the world. We just use Christian language. I know believers like that. And they never see the power of God. Because he says here, the righteous, and he speaks about morality here. He who despises the gain of oppression, who so gets you with the head. In other words, he's speaking, a righteous man has integrity with money and, and is not trying to rip people off. He is, he is a man and a woman who is, the word integrity means you're integrated. What you say and believe is also what you do. It's weird when we say things in church, but we do things outside that are unrighteous. There's no promise for you. But he says, the promise is for he who doesn't steal and take money and cheat and take bribes, who stops his ears from hearing of bloodshed. This speaks about a moral person. You know, you don't delight in hearing about how someone else has come a cropper. Who shuts his eyes from seeing evil. My goodness, that's a word for today because there's so much evil everywhere on the buses and the side of buses. Almost everywhere you can see evil and on the TV and all. And I've said many times, Job made a covenant with his eyes. It's not okay to look at that stuff because the eyes are the window to the soul. If you look at that stuff it's going, change, it's going to you know you look at pornography if you're a man it's going to destroy you it's going to destroy your marriage you're going to objectify women because it, it's powerful so the righteous man he says does shut his eyes from evil because he lives morally but there's a second component to righteousness it's not just being moral and ethical but it says the righteous man speaks up rightly Because there's two components of righteousness. There is the righteousness, there is what I call life righteousness, that we we hunger and thirst for righteousness, that we right be God, that, that our values are God's moral values. That's the first part. But the second part, the righteousness are justified by their faith. So a second part of being righteous is being someone who is in that position of faith and you know if you're a position of faith because of what you speak. And he says, the guy who's going to see God's power speaks uprightly. That means when you're under the cosh, you know, when you're under the cosh and you think, oh gosh, I'm under so much pressure. and The thing that's got to come out of your mouth in those times is not your emotions. It's not your feelings. It's a promise as a God. I am able to do all things through him, through Christ who strengthens me. You've got to be able to say, no are these weapons, they're real, but none of them shall prosper. You've got to say, God shall arise and scatter the enemy. He is able to make a way where there seems to be no way. Because when you're under the pump and you just go, oh, it's hopeless, Oh, this is no good. I've trusted God before. This is not going to happen. Why, you, you, know, you can speak to your spouse. Why do you keep trusting God? This is ridiculous. You believe in a fairy. You know, God considers that an evil report. When you speak words of unbelief, the Hebrews were accused, not of unbelief, he said that's an evil report. When you say God is not able to fix this, this is too much for God, it's an evil report. So when we're under the cosh, we, yes, it's, 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 God understands the problem. But I'll tell you, I'll give you a promise. Now I will arise. God knows exactly how much you can take. He knows how much I can take. And before you break, he will arise. Before you break, He arises. And you know what he does when God arises? God looks at his children. He goes like, "I've seen them standing, because He's also purifying you in that time. I've seen them, believe, I've seen them holding on." And He says, "Now, God is so zealous for you. Now I see what the enemy is doing." And at the exact right time, God arises. He reaches out His arm, and it says, "His breath as fire shall devour them." He who is doing the plundering shall be plundered. And I spoke about all the times in scriptures where God actually does that. You know, the promise is this, that when we're trusting in God in hard times, when we're trusting God, when we're under pressure, God says, if we really Continue to look to Him. And we continue to believe that He's going to come to our rescue. And we're righteous people. You know, we don't have to be perfect because verse 2 says, Oh Lord, be gracious to us. God knows we're dust. And it's difference between being perfect and, and slipping up and failing and you know, getting angry every now and then. That's different to, to being like winking at sin and saying it doesn't matter. I'm just going to live how I want to live because God is gracious to us. He's merciful. But he says the people who really believe that he loves them, that he's going to come, that outstretched arm is going to appear, that God is actually going to arise and deal with this, the thing that I can't deal with, the door, the pressure that I'm under, God himself, his power is going to deal with this. And they stay right. They stay despising sin. They, stay, they keep walking and staying. I'm going to be right with God. I'm not going to fall into that backslidden state. I'm just going to continue. God, he says, I've I, I got a promise for you. I will plunder your enemy. But not only will I plunder for you, he says, he will dwell on high. God will plunder for you, but God will also position you. What does on high mean? Whenever it says he will be on high, it means that you will walk in the presence of God and every spiritual blessing that has been purchased in the Christ will come to you. That's what it is to walk on high. He says, I'll plunder for you and I'll also position for you. Then he says, he will dwell on high. His place of fortress will be the fortress of rocks. He says, that person, I will plunder for them, I'll position them and I'll protect them. I will protect them. They'll live in a protected place. Do you know what it is to live in a place where you know God watches over me day and night? And I tell you, it doesn't mean that bad things don't happen to your life, but I know for a fact that whatever happens to me, God, he filters it. He says, my son Martin, is it going to be good to let it through to him? I'll let it through. Because it's a test that he's able to overcome. It's going to do him good in the long run. But if not, I'll block it. You live in a place of defense of the fortress of rocks. That means God himself protects people who live like that. He said he plunders for you. He positions you. He protects you. Then bread will be given to him. His water will be sure. That speaks about provision. So he plunders for those people. He positions those people. He protects those people and he provides for them. Your trust is in God. Your hope is in God. Yes, you may be tested. There may be seasons when you have uh, challenges. But if you're like that, and you say, my my, my hope is in God, and I just want to live righteously with God. I'm doing my best all every day to, to honor him with my life. God says, your provision is the least of your problems. Never worry about bread or food. I don't know about these Christians that say shortages are coming. What are we going to do? It's like The Bible says, I have never seen the righteous begging bread. Never. Never seen the righteous begging. God says, those people, bread will be given him. His water will be sure. And then he says, your eyes will see the king in his beauty they will see the land that is very far off. What does that speak about? It says he'll plunder for us. He will position us on high. He will protect us in the rocks. He will provide for us with fruit. And then he'll give us incredible prospects. Five Ps. I had to put in prospects because I had to squeeze it in there. What does it speak about? Have an incredible prospect. means... Their eyes will see the king and the land that is very far off. You'll know that you're saved. You'll know every day you belong to Christ and you'll know heaven is your future. You'll know where you're going. You'll have eternal security in your spirit. You're not know, going to be one of these Christians to say, I think I'm saved, but I'm not sure. If you're someone who actually lives, and all your hope is in God when there's a problem. That all your trust is in the power that God's going to arise. His arm is going to reach out for me. This problem that, he's, that seems to be too much for me, God himself is going to deal with it. And I'm just going to stay right with him in the meantime. You'll know no lack. God will take a special interest in you. That problem, he'll turn the tables. Not only that, he'll lift you on high. You say, well, show me this in the scripture where God plundered the enemy and lifted a man on high. I'll show you a million, million places, particularly the book of Esther. What happened with A. Haman when God hung his enemy, his plunder, on the gallows that he built for Haman? The very next verse, verse 2 of chapter 8, the king had took off the signet ring which he had taken from Haman and gave it to Mordecai. And Esther appointed Mordecai over the house of Haman. book finishes by saying, Mordecai the Jew was second to King Asherah. He was the prime minister of all of Nineveh. Because God not only plundered his enemies, he set him on high. He set him on high. Sometimes as a pastor, you've got to preach above people where they're at because you've got to call people up. We could preach where you're at all day, but we can call you up. But these aren't sermons. This isn't, this isn't just information. These are, these are the principles of what God will do for every man and woman who truly, truly wants to be right for Him, with Him. These are promises. And... When it feels like you're being plundered, that's the test. It's not easy for any of us, but that's the test. Where are you looking today? Anything of man? You're looking to any arm of the flesh to get you out of your situation? Or is all my hope is in you? I'm expecting God to be gracious to me, to reach out his arm and deal with that plundering power. Whatever demon, whatever demonic power is, because that's what it is, it's coming against me. God himself. I tell you, if you live like that, he will. He will plunder the plunderer and he will position you on high. He will bring you into that place of peace where you know you live protected by God himself and his angels. And he'll bring you a place where you know your bread and your water. You've got a different source to the world. God keeps you. Like he kept Elijah by the brook Kereth. He knows how to feed us. He'll position you. He'll protect you. He'll provide for you. And then he'll assure you of your great future prospects. That you, the end of your life, are going to see King Jesus in a land far off. It's called heaven. Amen? Amen. I want to pray for people today who are under the cross because I know some people are. I know some people come in here and you come in here on Sunday and you, you do your best, you put a nice church face on, but there are people here that you've got issues in your life and you think, man, this issue's been ongoing. It's like Sennacherib has besieged you. It's like all around you. And there doesn't seem any human escape. And things are being stripped. Things are being, it feels like things are being taken. There's a pressure. And and God says today, he's going to plunder the plunderer. Father God, I thank you in the name of Jesus. I thank you that you're here today. And I thank you, Lord, you understand that we're in a battle, that we have an enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And Father God, I say today, We look to your outstretched arm. and, And right now in this service, Father, I'm asking, Lord, that you'll arise for people here today. That, Father God, they'll hear the word of God and they shall look to you alone. And maybe even before they get home today, Father God, that your outstretched arm will begin to move that your arm, Father God, that power, Father, and we just say we don't look to the things of man, we look to your might. Father, we acknowledge that you are might, that whatever power is against us, you have a power to overcome it. Father God, your power is so much greater than anything we're facing. And we acknowledge that today. And I declare no matter where we are, that you will be gracious to every trusting soul here. Father, every person who really is trying to live right by you. Father, that you will be gracious and you will move and we will have a testimony in this house that you indeed plunder the plunderer. Plunder the plunderer this day, Lord. In Jesus' name. Stand up and praise him. He is a great God. He's a great God. And stand up and praise him. Say to God, all my hope is in you. All my hope. You are my plan A. You're my plan B. You're my plan C. I look to you alone. Lord, come. I want to tell you, he will not give you more than you can cope with. The exact right time. He'll do for you what he did for Mordecai. Your Haman will be hung on his gallows. Give him praise. He's a wonderful God. He's a faithful God. Jesus' name.